Frank Marco writes in, how do you think uh, Yarncroak has looked as a winger? And bonus to Link, what is your favorite Mega Man? We'll start with the hockey question. No, start with the Mega Man question. Yeah, okay, Mega so Man yeah, I had to, I thought this was over. I mean, the, the obvious one is that um, I mean, Mega Man X is probably the best Mega Man game ever made. Uh, it took the classic style, it just improved it. The intro stage, where it teaches you mechanics just by doing and not by text pops or anything, it's is incredible. Is, is it's incredible. really great. Um, and I have to give a list here. So then, I mean, Mega Man Three is also is probably the best of the classic core ones because it introduces not only Rush but the slide mechanic that just really opened up the game. And then I. Controversially, I have a soft spot for Mega Man 7. I never played 7. or Okay, I didn't play 7 a lot. I played it in the reruns, but I wore out 8 on my PlayStation. Yeah, uh, but I really liked 7. It was just something fun about it. 8 was just goofy and out of its mind, and the voice acting in those cutscenes. That voice acting. So bad. What about Yarncroak? Uh, he could not beat any of the Robot Masters in any of the games. I don't. I don't believe he can fire energy pellets from his hands. And welcome into the show that gets it done twice in one week. This is the Predcast, brought to you by OnTheForeCheck.com and Lions from Internet Marketing Solutions. He's Chris Link. He's John Garcia. I'm Dan Bradley. Gents, we were just back here a few days ago. Uh, Link, you and I saw each other on Thursday at the station. Uh, that means all kinds of Dan. It's crazy. All right. True story. This That was our first um, over-the-air broadcast. Like, And I've never, I haven't done exactly live radio where I'm the number one guy. I'm Typically, I'm the number two guy. So there's, always, there's usually the producer and the host, and they're keeping track of the time. And I just answer questions. And that's the way it is in football. That's the way it is with other hockey shows. So Charlie goes out of town. I have no idea. He just went out of town for his birthday in the middle of football season. He's a football producer. I don't know how he managed that. But he says, hey, uh, you want to host the pregame show on Thursday? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm like, I'll get John or Chris to come in. It'll be fun. And I screw up in one area is that I went to the first break a little bit too quick. So if you listen to the last like five minutes of the broadcast and link, you, you were witness for this. I kept looking down at my phone and kept seeing 657 on my phone for like five to 10 minutes. Oh, you, I, I could see you in this moment, just this nightmare scenario because the producer kept doing the stretch out, which means symbol. extend, you know, like you got a ways to go. You got to keep dragging it out because the breaks at that station are right at the, uh, right at the top of the hour. So like 659, 59, he hits the button. So that's like the longest two minutes of your life trying to figure, <laughs> trying to make sure that the content doesn't run out before the end of the hour. How'd you fill it? Oh, uh, it was easy. I kept asking Link like long-winded questions and he kept giving great answers. So Mega Man 2, music better than Mega Man 3? Oh, that's your no question. Oh, number no. two. Oh, Me- Mega Man's music is, is one of the great 8-bit soundtracks. It's not even soundtrack. close. Like, it's a, like that I mean, Metroid, Mega Man 2 is iconic. You know, Absolutely oh yeah, I, nothing. I'm, no Mega Man game has ever touched Mega Man Two. There's a reason music. why we play the mini bosses Mega Man Two quite a bit during the five tough questions. Did you see that there is a uh, live speed run with that, where a band, like a heavy metal band, was playing along with the speed run? I would watch that multiple times. I'll send you the link. It's amazing. I'd love it. Please tell me it was the mini bosses. No, they oh, man, are those guys still around? I think they are. I have their first album that I got like back in high school. It definitely was not Power Glove. 
I don't know who it was, but I just remember seeing because there's this dude sitting on a pillow playing yeah the nes in front uh like they're actually in like a, a venue like with like a bar venue and they've got the speed run projected behind the band and you know the drummer counts it off and the guy's doing the speed run they're they do everything from the and then they go through all the uh they go through the levels they go through the boss battles on time it's perfect other than that how's, how's your week john it's pretty good <laughs> uh this is kind of like a calm before the storm i got a crazy week coming up this next week well tomorrow i guess so not really a whole lot just watch some hockey this weekend and relax and go home and watch some seinfeld and set up the week on otf and that's gonna be it so fortunately this week i don't have a whole lot of uh good juicy tidbits to tell you my my week has just gotten it been like i said it's been it's just gotten progressively better as the week's gone on good um i'm hoping just that's why it's nice to have the show and strong uh and just charge in, and I think uh, looking forward to doing the show. Looking forward to yeah. Looking forward to conquering the week, everybody. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're recording this today because there's a game on Wednesday night, and we want the show to be relevant for more than just like a couple hours. Kind of a novel concept <laughs> around these parts. We did one. We did one last year where we did where we were like recorded during a game, and that just felt so stupid. <laughs> it did feel weird, especially because we don't have a setup to to have the game on and and, <laughs> and record at the same time. Like cause the, the the TV is in a totally different room. It's it's complicated. Yeah. Not really. It's I have multiple rooms and 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 you know how that works. Walls and whatnot. <laughs> kind of hard to do that. Keep up with it on Twitter, like the ice track on NHL.com. Well, apparently they're leading now. <laughs> <laughs> I think discuss, I was actually, discuss the goal. That, that was we actually didn't a see. line that we had. <laughs> so, looking back at this week's games, uh, let's start with Thursday's uh, game against the Anaheim Ducks. And just this is no even hot. You don't even need to deploy the hot take dragon. That was the most complete game of the year for the Predators. Yeah, I don't think any of us were expecting that. I think on Wednesday, you know, it was so long ago, so I'm having trouble remembering. Um, but I think we said that we expected there to be kind of like a give and take for both teams, especially because Anaheim's been struggling a little bit. And they're too good of a team to be struggling like they were doing. But they just kind of rolled over, and the Preds steamrolled them. Yeah, it was such a weird game because, you know, some of the line, like the, uh, the Ribeiro line still wasn't clicking that well through the course of it. But the Ducks were just, they just looked dejected at times. And they'd shoot the puck, and it would count as a shot, and it goes all positive for them. But it, there wasn't commitment behind it, which is a weird thing to say almost, but they just felt like we're, we're supposed to shoot the puck, we're paid to shoot the puck, so that's what we're going to do. But if it goes in or whatever, who cares? Yeah, they and didn't they really get away. They didn't really have a whole lot of dangerous chances throughout yeah. the game. It was such a weird, weird game from that perspective. I mean, it was great to see the Predators be, be dominant on the scoreboard and, and just sort of be able to coast the game a little bit. But after the first, I don't know, I want to say five, ten minutes, the Ducks just didn't seem to care anymore. Mm-mm. Circling back to the Ducks here in a minute, but a lot of guys got their first goal of the year. Um, Colin Wilson, Mike Ribeiro, Matias Ekholm, Ryan Ellis. Pretty comfortable game when you have all those guys score. It's a good confidence game for, for some of those guys. Um, you know, good good to see Wilson get going. I mean, when, once he gets one, he tends to, to get revved up a bit. So we hope to see that. Can keep keep going on and continue to use the word I was going to use, but I decided to use four words instead. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it was nice to see Ryan Ellis get back in the lineup and then immediately score a goal. Um, I, again, we don't know if his knee injury was that serious to hold him out that long, 
But it was a good precautionary measure from that because, I mean, he looked like he wasn't even injured at all. He had a great game. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was on point. He was in position. His passing was crisp and where it needed to be. I His passing was in, just really impressive against the Ducks. I think, I mean, I, I like to retract the statement. I was all gung-ho for the Matias Ekholm and Seth Jones pairing. But the fact that Matias Ekholm is so much of a better offensive player than Barrett Jackman, I really don't want to see Ellis and Ekholm go away because that takes away some of Ellis's passing uh, capabilities. Having a guy like Ekholm that can skate into the zone, that can shoot, that can pass himself. Yeah, they're a breakout nightmare. I mean, they can they can create a uh, uh, they can turn get the puck turned over and get up the ice, and the all of a sudden defending team doesn't realize they're supposed to be defending yet. Yeah, they really do everything well. Just like they're not uh, maybe like you know high quality elite defensemen, but everything that they do, they do really really well. They have the puck. I mean, yeah, that's that's okay. what they're built to play with the puck. That's it's big when you have the puck. That's it's way to go. You kind of want to have the puck these days. I think so. I hear that's a pretty important part of hockey. Yeah. So the Anaheim Ducks. This is my own personal theory with this, and this may be worthy of the dragon or not. But it looks like that roster is just waiting for a new message. This is a roster that yeah. uh, they've had. Yeah. They've a lot of these guys were here when Randy Carlisle was fired, and they brought in Boost Boudreaux. So it's almost like they're waiting for, all right, we know what's going to happen at this point. We're just going to, you know, everyone try to get it, stay everyone to stay healthy until that happens. Yeah, I watched uh, a little bit of the Ducks Wild game yesterday before the Preds game came on. And same thing. They just, they looked even worse than they did on Thursday. And to your point, it, yeah, I mean, they had nine shots in the 30 minutes into the game. And they... We're not skating. They look like their feet were in the mud. They couldn't connect with the pass. No one looked enthused at what they were doing, and the Wild were just skating circles around them. And this is the Minnesota Wild. They're not like a they're high to, octane. They're going to sap, to sap your will away from the game of hockey itself. Oh. That's Minnesota's game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's per, that's exactly what I was going to describe. You nailed it, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, and the, again, shot att- or the shots by halfway through the second period were like twenty-nine to nine or something along yeah, those geez. lines. It's What's so strange about the Ducks situation is that they have a really good, effective coach. But I, I'm guessing this season, it's just the message isn't resonating. And we and people talk about that, about messages just being lost. And sometimes you can move coach not because they're a bad coach, but because the players just don't respond to him like they need to. And at that point, it doesn't make sense. You, you're not firing a coach for, for performance. You're firing a coach to try and get your team back on track in a different way. We not we don't need to forget that this team was in the Western Conference Finals last year, so they did play a lot of hockey last year. I'm wondering if I'm wondering if it's Bruce Boudreaux's style is just not wearing well with this veteran group that is still maybe coming down off the playoff rush, and that message just doesn't fit right now. Uh, I mean, you look at the way that he plays his team, and you look at what they do. I could see that, but there was also, it reminds me back to when he got fired from the Washington Capitals, because we heard um, after this year that Bob Murray was on the fence whether or not he wanted to bring Bruce Boudreaux back, and that they may had you know some of that internal discourse. Granted, those are all reports, so we don't know how much of that is true, how much of it isn't, but um, George McPhee brought him back after the Caps got swept from the Lightning in the second round of the playoffs a couple years ago and the thought around Washington was okay he stopped in Montreal they got they got ousted in the first round 
the next year they come back, beat the Rangers in five games, and then go to the next round and get swept by Tampa. Maybe it's time to move on. And he didn't fire him right away. And then by November, December, he was gone. The The team just wasn't there for it. And I think we may be seeing the same thing this year. But I still think that it's not the it's too early to fire Bruce Boudreaux with all that he's done. Yeah, I, it almost seems it seems to me ultimately silly that they would fire him because he's just, he's proven his effectiveness time and time again. But it just feels like at some point you have to say the, it's not there's not a spark that gets these guys going. We just need to re- basically replace replace a part, mm-hmm. you know. And, and if I mean, the players aren't responding, then they're not responding. I, my, my alternative theory is that. <laughs> uh, sorry, the look on Dan's face when I said my alternative theory is is that as the Ducks uniforms have gotten progressively uglier, the team is getting slowly worse. You're not a fan of the orange. I'm a huge fan of orange, just not not the, the Brody Ducks orange. I mean, with the mu- with the gold that makes it look all muddy and brown. I think it may be something. Maybe something onto that. Okay. <laughs> make make note about stupid idea. Link said. I actually already have this like a box of this check. <laughs> uh, who would they? Rep- I mean, I know that Paul McClain's an assistant on that co- assistant on that staff, and you know that that, that makes sense, I guess. But um, he's better known for working with younger players. Who would they go after? Is there any name out there that's not currently employed that makes sense for them? Because you, that's Adam a, Oates. That's a very veteran locker room that. Has won a cup. A lot of the, the core of that group has won a cup, except for guys like Kessler. They have guys like Bexa who also got pretty close as well. And it's kind of a it's an interesting situation because the top two uh, figureheads in that locker room they've got a ring. I hear Mike Keaton's available. Oh, that would be a blast. Can, can I go a week without mentioning Mike Keaton on the show? I, I, I don't love... think so. It's what twice in one week, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm making a bad habit of it. I mean, that the Ducks are like a perfect heel he... team, and Mike Keenan would just be. Talk about needing a spark in the locker room. Oh, he'll give you a spark. He will pick up Corey Perry and throw him out. Here's another question, though. That So if Bruce Boudreaux gets canned, do any other teams immediately fire their coach and hire him on? I'm looking at someone like Pittsburgh or Dallas. Um, well, Dallas is rolling right now, so I don't think that yeah, they would the need Dallas to. Dallas wouldn't be doing that. Um, Minnesota. LA maybe I don't no, know. No, LA's LA's kind of got back on track. Yeah, I think you're, you're probably looking at a team that is in rebuild mode, but doesn't have the coach of the future yet. That's probably the the way you're, the the area you're looking at. Like if, I think uh, Colorado may be a good spot for any coach. Just a coach. You need a coach there. If Mike Yo doesn't make it out of uh, doesn't make it past the first of the year, that's a call I'd make. Yeah, who knows what is going to happen with Yo? No, not our problem. <laughs> Saturday night, Pittsburgh comes in on a golden Saturday. Uh, game starts off kind of auspiciously with uh, Austin Watson's hit, the five-minute major. Uh, Do you guys get a chance to see the hit, and what are your thoughts on it? You know, I was a little surprised when I saw the five minutes go up. Um, I thought the hit was a little bit to the was on the side, and I don't know. I didn't. I didn't immediately. Five minutes isn't the first thing that popped in my head. I'm not sure you're going to argue with it because. You know, I only really—I actually only saw the replays of that. Um, I missed the hit itself uh, when it when it happened in full speed. So, uh, you know how it is with slow mo—you never quite get the feel for it that you'd like to have. I was surprised by the five minutes too. I don't think that it was—I I wasn't surprised that a penalty was called on it, just because even though it was a technically shoulder to shoulder hit, um, his shoulder was turned like 
Austin Watson was basically facing his numbers when he hit him on the shoulder. So I was fine with the penalty. Five minutes, I think, yeah, was a I mean, little bit much. Because five minutes is supposed to be either, like, there's intent to injure or there's some something malicious there. Or, like, a really bad board. I mean, they, they called boarding on the play, and I would have called a hit from behind before I called boarding. I would have called charging on it. Yeah, I, that's, that's the thing. I don't, I don't think it was boarding at all. I think there was a lot of things you could call it, but boarding, he, the way he came in, he came in, it was a side, it was on the side, and it didn't, like, I don't know. I, I didn't really buy it. I can I can buy a penalty, but five minutes I think is really harsh. I think it looked worse than what it was, just because Watson is this big, strong guy who skates really hard. And if you watch like the Dumoulin's of like body, it just like recoils after he hits him. So it looked worse than what it was. Uh, I want to talk about the game itself. I mean, Nashville outshot Pittsburgh. They out they outpaced Pittsburgh. They look like the better team for most of it. But that overtime just made me just. Doesn't that just make you angry? That I, I'm going to. I haven't really talked about three and three overtime at all. It's not something I've I've discussed in in any degree. I don't like it. Really, I don't like it. I three and three play is fine from time to time. Uh, I really did enjoy, and I get to I got to see it live. The four and then the four and four, and then the three and three that they did in the AHL. I got to see that in person. I thought that was great. It, it just seems like. The three on three tends to be a lot of very very cautious play intermixed with a bunch of break breakaways. And if the game is going to be decided by a bunch of breakaways, why not just keep up with the shootout because that's what the shootout is. Uh, so I, I struggle with it, and that's sort of a little bit of what we saw. Um, except you can do rebounds in three on three, and that's what it had been. If it had been a shootout, it would have been no goal. It would have been a save. I'm fine with the three on three, to be honest. Like it's still early on, and I haven't had a whole lot of time to watch a bunch of teams playing three on three. Um, but I mean, so far, I, I was it, actually I'll, I'll stop you guys there. I was actually more referring to uh, Evgeny Malkin kind of getting away with a couple. You're talking about the trip, yeah, both of them. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> I I have somewhat of a policy about of just. Referees make mistakes. Referees aren't perfect. They're going to miss that. calls. And but when there's like sixty percent of a normal group of skaters on the ice, there's like forty yeah, percent no, less players for them to watch yeah, on the ice. And I expect I that just, to be yeah, called. it's not excusable. And I, I'm I'm sure in the uh, the post game the refs do with with themselves and, and with their their union there there was conversation about them saying hey you missed these and and I think they they he's well aware that he missed the calls. Uh, but I mean that's that's hockey, and, and that is hockey. I mean it's I mean, it's fresh. I mean, but the whole thing, like the whole when you combine the three on three with calls not being made that should be made, and and how it goes down, uh, and how it went down that night, it's just it was, it was it was the right way to cap the game like that, where the Predators just you know we talked you talked about them leading in shots, and they they really yeah. drove shots. So I was looking at that today because I was curious about. I knew they just dominated the, the shot play and, and the puck possession. So my question was, they did that, but what were the like? How were the quality of shots? Were they dangerous shots? And about forty forty one percent of them were, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a little bit less than than um, Pittsburgh's, who were at forty four percent. So the production was relatively better. But ele- I'd rather have eleven high dangerous scoring chances than five um, any day of the week. So it's just it shouldn't even been in overtime in the first place. The Predators just had a, a bad luck night when it came to the puck bounces. And let's give a little bit of credit to Flurry too, because he never, did, he did never. play pretty well. Never. I'm sorry. We both hate the Penguins, I know. Uh, I did notice uh, it seemed like a lot of chances were also going wide, 
where they would set up a chance and they would shoot it and it would just miss. Like it would go over the goal or go to the side of it. I know that there was one play that Ribeiro set up Smith for a goal and he healed it. And if he had gotten all of that shot, then we probably wouldn't have been going to overtime. I saw both teams struggling with just the ice in general last night. Did that stick out to anybody? Well, you know, I mean, surprisingly, there was a... I think I think Puck Day was running up there doing polls with players, and they asked players about worse ice. And fortunately, Nashville was not in the bottom five, which was I was really excited wow. to see that. Uh, but I, I think what we saw a little bit of is, you know, Nashville has been unseasonably warm for October, and the humidity was ramping up through the course of the week, where it peaked on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that was reflected a, a little bit in the quality of the ice, um, and, and it was maybe a little bit slushy, or maybe some some bumps and some pits that may not hardly have been there, and, and just made it tough to play. Hopefully, as we get into November and things start actually cooling off, that'll help a little bit. Yeah, although Bridgestone Arena is pretty busy in the, coming up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you know what the CMA is coming into town. Yeah, it's gonna be like it's gonna be like the uh, Flyers ice post the two week um, circus Oof. break. Oh, the they, elephants they, walking they, all over it. They come back from that, and it's like you don't even want to skate on it. You might as well just just go out in your tennis shoes and run around. Just melt it down and start again. <laughs> I don't know why they don't. There's several teams that have these kind of like just obnoxious road trips. Chicago has a long circus road trip. Uh, like the San Antonio Spurs, every single year they have like a rodeo road trip that they go on. It's like 20 days. Jeez. So it's. <laughs> Does the they have a rodeo road trip? Do they? No, do they, they have. They actually, um, they have that the whole stampede ground. The Capitals do. They have a the rodeo comes into the Verizon Center every year and they go on a on a road trip that way. So always every every team seems to have their weird event. Mm-hmm. Like some type of like bizarre like unique to their city kind of event. Uh, let's go ahead and get the NHL news out of the way real quick on this. Uh, Jaden Schwartz, so the Blues forward, is going to be out 12 weeks with a broken ankle. This is in addition to Paul Stastny being out as well. So if you're keeping score at home, that is the uh, the guy who's supposed to be the top-line center for the St. Louis Blues this year in Stastny, and the guy who was on the same line with Yori Laterra and Vladimir Tarasenko out now for 12 weeks. Oof. Ouch. That team, yeah, and that team is going down to injury. And we know Shattenkirk is always going to be in the process of getting hurt. Yeah. Um, so who knows how long he's going to be around and healthy this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, just, it looks a little scary for the Blues as far as losing time to injury. And I mean, one of the biggest advantages the Predators have had is, uh, in, in, at least last season and hopefully this season, it's, it's held up so far, granted we're not even 10 games in, uh, but they've stayed healthy and haven't lost a lot of man games. And, you know, it's it's a sad thing, but that's, a really important thing when it comes to getting points is keeping your players healthy. Yeah, I mean, look at Columbus last year. I mean, they were without all of their roster players, mm-hmm. essentially, so early on. And, I mean, I think the Blues are a little bit better constructed to sure. go through that. But it's still, when you're losing that many players this quick into the season, it, they're going to have a tough time just dealing with that. And they could find themselves in a hole very, very easily. And. Uh, Schwartz is one of the most productive players they had last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of it was the product of the line that he was on, but you know, you still got to put the pucks in the net. And Schwartz was that was a very good draft pick. Uh, they could have taken a lot of other guys, but that was a good pick for them. Uh, Jonathan Tor- or pardon John Tortorella uh, decided on his first night to make an example out of Ryan Johansson, saying that he was out of shape and did not play him past like I think like the last six or seven minutes of the game in a game they were trailing. It's just- Par for the course, I think, right? It, it, yeah, it's like he gets a call from, like, Totorella gets a call from Columbus, and he's just like, yeah, got it. And like, he turns around to his notebook and just says, like, screw Johansson on the front of it. He's like, 
I've been saving this up for like years. I have exactly everything I need to screw that. You know, he's mumbling under his breath and stuff and picked one. Did he not forget Brandon Dubensky was on the same team? No, he couldn't He couldn't see them because Ryan Hunts was so out of shape he couldn't see around him. Oh, okay. Yeah, just, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things that he had, he had been the coach for what, less than 24 hours, maybe 48 at the most. I mean, he was an analyst with NHL.com. He knows who the Blue Jackets players are, hmm. you know, even if he isn't familiar with them. And in a losing game to bench your player because he's quote unquote out of shape. These are air quotes right here. I mean that's that's John Tortorella. They're gonna have a fun time in Columbus coming up. And that's something that frustrates me about Tortorella is that you come in, you're you're just getting started with the team, you may know some of these players. Do you really just go out and say with without having done any coaching, without having done any behind the scenes, call out on your players, he's out of shape, stop playing him. At what point are you one of your best yeah, players? Yeah, I mean, one of your best players isn't the right thing to do. To like this guy's not in the shape he needs to be. Bench him, sure, that's your prerogative. But then you have practice and you have a whole staff of people that can help him make sure he's eating the right foods and doing things. Why don't you solve the problem so that he can play effectively? Then publicly embarrassing him for the sake of an excuse, an ego. But frankly, if he's out of shape, why don't you give him a rest and bring him back at the last few minutes of the game because. Uh, you were what zero and seven at the time. Yeah, there's. I just think there's <laughs> Let's solutions. Take the top line center out of the game. <laughs> in, instead of engaging in an actual solution and 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 working with the player or ha- or saying you here's you have all these tools, get yourself fixed or you're going to be benched. He calls him out publicly after one game, that the team didn't even win. Yeah, that's going to go over very well. Yeah, them. it just seems it seems incredibly disrespectful of the athletes, and I, you, you have to assume that. Johansson probably isn't that out of shape. No, he can't be. Yeah, he may not be at Tortorella standards, but that's why you have to... You have new standards when a coach comes in. Clearly, so there's something him. wrong with him. He's not diving all over the ice trying to block shots every time. He must not be in shape. <laughs> Pitiful. Montreal is now 9-0. and 9-0 and 0. There's so many reasons why this shouldn't be happening, and I don't care about any of them because I want them to go undefeated for as long as possible because <laughs> it's too much fun for a team just to go on a crazy run like this. Mm-hmm. Too much fun. It's one of my hangups with them that I thought over the summer and last year, and we talked about this before, was they were leaning on Carey Price, and that was it. And they're still leaning on Carey Price, but they're also playing amazing hockey right now like everything's clicking on cylinders for them like you watch them it's like they're never going to lose another game i could i really thought this team was essentially going to be the minnesota wild just 2.0 because when their top line center last year was thomas placanich i'm i'm sitting here thinking about thomas vanek's uh comments about the centers in the wild not really being good enough to win a cup not that thomas vanek is an expert on that situation or anything but uh, I didn't think that Montreal had the talent really to be able to, to score at this clip. And well, I knew they could score goals, but I didn't see them being able to defend that. Because if you compare the you know, the underlying numbers with Placanich and even Mike Fisher, Fisher looks like the better player for the most part. It's kind of, you know, just I think if Mike, Mike Fisher's last name was something Eastern European, he'd probably be held in a higher regard. Maybe <laughs> if you wore a turtleneck, too. I don't know. Yeah, I think I mean that's the next big thing. Turtlenecks are actually back in style, if you weren't aware. They're they're kind of the awesome. new fall accessory for men, so feel free to wear turtlenecks again, everybody. Long overdue. 
Um, but you know, there there are some things going against him because you know Max Pacioretty is supposed to be one of the the scorers, one of the leaders, and everything on the ice. I mean, he's shooting almost fifteen percent right now, so you know it's going to go down, and you can't keep that up. And and when you take him out of the equation, you lose a lot of your scoring. So you so you have to ask who's next, who can pick that up, and as as not as a a Montreal fan, it's hard, or a Montreal media person, it's not easy for me to say because I don't know the players as well. Um, but Patch ready, come on. But then you also have the move that Tarion finally made of moving Galchenyuk to center, which seems to be paying off in spades right now. It makes you wonder what's going to happen if, uh, hey, we really won't really want Philip Forsberg to play center. I can dream, right? You can. <laughs> Sorry, it I was would solve a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, if if you actually had a capable, talented center, yeah, oh. that'd be awesome. Well, it'd also be pretty cool to to say, "Hey, Philip, you're playing center now." I mean, Forsberg, and then put Fisher back in a line where where you can make the second line not a defensive disaster. That sounds like that sounds completely ideal. I want to touch on that a little bit later on. Uh, I've got some uh, got a question regarding. Uh, Kind of maybe switching some roles around with that. Uh, also, after the break, uh, we're going to kind of review. We're going to at least review the questions that you people have submitted. Um, you still got time. <laughs> it's, it's, honestly, it's, it's not looking great right this now. Is, this is recorded, but you've still got time. You've still got time, knowing that we're, we're still trying. Talking about Back to the Future over here. Like, hey, I'm getting your time machine. Go back to Sunday. Did I really mean to ask about James Neal's jockstrap? Oh, that was really my question for the week? Okay. I should probably would have changed that. I don't know. This is the Predcast presented by Lions on Internet Marketing Solutions and on theforcheck.com. These days, you need a partner current and latest website design standards. One that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing like social media, search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need LionZone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402. Or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lionzone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since 1999. Welcome back in. One of the the side effects of doing this show on Sunday is that not as many people are are engaged on social media regarding you know hockey as opposed to the NFL. So we didn't get a great response back as far as the questions go. Jacques. So that's going to happen probably on Friday going forward. But Maria, as as you know, consistent as they come, she asked uh, two questions. Number one, does John have any tips for moving on? from being salty about the penguins and number two 
How about Smith on the penalty kill last night? That was unexpectedly amazing. You don't ever move on from anything that the Penguins do. You just bottle it up for a long time so that it feels so much better when something goes wrong for them. I can explain this really well, and I'm glad that she used the word salty because you know what doesn't go well with ice and stone penguins? Salt. It makes them melt. And you want all that saltiness. You can just melt the dreams of the Penguins fans. How does it feel to support a team that actually does this? It's it's pretty wonderful to <laughs> to drive drive across state and then watch a bunch of guys who who struggle to win games just pound the hell out of an elite team, elite quote unquote. Um, it's it's great and it's been going on for over two years now. It's fantastic. Actually, I want to I liken it all the way back to the playoff series with Hartnell and mm. that was gorgeous. That was the time when James Neal was running around trying to kill everybody. He tried to kill Claude Giroux on the ice. <laughs> I said, "No, you you leave someone in Pittsburgh long enough, they will they will murder to get their get their way out." He succeeded. It, yeah, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> One thing we did see, and now this actually uh, goes back to last week. Uh, let me phrase the question here. I've got it here in my scroll of notes here. Okay, I wish it was a real scroll. <laughs> yeah, like we're. It was hand penned. So I asked you guys uh, about about uh, Phil Kessel playing beside Sidney Crosby or getting Malkin. Oh yeah, and that was answered the next day. Yeah, the next day I was, I was like, "Hey, he's now playing beside Malkin." I honestly don't think that they were that great throughout the game, except that Phil got that open shot at the end of overtime and did what Phil Kessel does I and mean, scores down the wing. Especially doing with what Malkin does. Yeah. Playing, keep always keeping a stick on the ice at all situations. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's fine just to change things up. I mean, it makes sense during the season. You might as well experiment a little bit. But it, it, it was it seemed to happen right when Kessel and Crosby were starting to find some chemistry and click. And, and that I find a little bit more unusual. But, may, you know, I, you know maybe, maybe the coach saw something that... that it was hidden deep inside. Between Malkin and Crosby, who's the better defensive forward? Ooh, that's a really good question. Because I'm, um, I don't know the answer to that. I think I think I'd, my head. I'd probably say Crosby. I mean, Crosby's probably has. I mean, he's got more talent. Um, but the, there's the big difference is that Malkin is is a little bit more willing to throw the body, okay. which has a different, de- very different feel mm-hmm. on on a back check. So Malkin would be the one more likely to start in his own defensive end, correct? Between the two. I, I think I, I don't think he, I wouldn't really discriminate between the two because Crosby's not a bad face-off guy, right? But what I'm going at is that if, if you're going to use Kessel's speed, I would put him again, put him on the line that's more likely to start in his own zone. That way, so when Kessel breaks out, he can get yeah, that I speed think, yeah. to go down the wing. I think you made, if I recall, you made that point. Uh, oh, I did. When I we, we talked about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just reiterating. Just make sure he wants to see. Make it. sure it was the right. Well, point. I'm hoping. I'm hoping by by pointing out that he said it before. I'm trying to trying to smooth it all out. I got what you're going there. Yeah, I'm going through the rest of your questions here, and none of actually we didn't even touch on this. Um, <laughs> All your questions suck. Do better next time. Well, also real quick, uh, what do you think about? Uh, she also asked about Smith on the penalty kill. Smith played an incredible game yesterday. He I, really did. I guess you, you put him out there and you say, "Hey, Smith, defend," and he's like, "Oh, I guess okay," and you teach him a new skill. I mean, this that seems. I get. I'm assuming like you throw him in the deep end so he learns how to swim. Craig, do good. Craig, do good. <laughs> Yes, Craig, you did good. Craig, do good. 
He went to college, guys. He's not, you make him sound like he's some like I, Ontario League. I didn't mean to make reject. him sound like like an idiot. I really didn't. That was not my in- intent. Wisconsin, not, University of Wisconsin and Madison was is actually a respectable university from in some circles. But so. I think it was maybe not surprising because he's a really good player. But I mean, we always talk about that. Uh, defensive line where Colin Wilson's the most responsible in the in the defensive zone with Ribeiro and Smith on there but maybe it's just one of those things that okay when his job is only to defend he can do it really well I can buy that yeah I mean it, it, it goes out with a certain frame of mind I mean mm-hmm. that makes sense that's just theory I'm not saying that that's yeah, he's how not, it is he's not looking to make the breakout play he's not looking to turn over the puck and counter attack mm-hmm. he's just looking to get in the poke check, to get body position. Or just get the puck. Yeah, I mean, that makes that makes sense. I can buy into that. Yeah, because the rest of your questions do suck, we are going to go straight to five tough questions. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, I really don't feel like knowing the answer to what the color of James Neal's jockstrap is a gold. I, I really don't care about that answer. Do you Someone asked that? that? Someone asked that. It's the comment section. The comment section's oh. had a bad week, so I don't <laughs> know why I even posted there to begin with, to be honest with you. Yeah, if you if you read the comment section from my my most recent blog, it's mostly confusion and chaos, which is fantastic. What did you opinion. expect? I I expected, I, I didn't know what to expect. I don't I don't tend to expect a lot of comments on my posts because it's really hard to respond to the weirdness that I put up on the internet. But yeah, people were very much thrown. Um, someone, see, someone posted a recipe for somebody posted a recipe, which was great. Um, and then someone got angry that I didn't do um, two other. Japanese cartoon shows like why didn't you do the, either of these and I'm like I don't never watch them I don't know how to write things about stuff I've never watched man why didn't you do Inuyasha <laughs> 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 alright question number one of all the teams in the NHL currently out to a hot start or a better than expected start which one of them do you view as most likely to maintain their success hmm as in, we expect, as in we expected this team to be garbage Oh wow, they're they're actually not garbage so far. I think they're going to stay not garbage. Oh, we we are definitely in the tough questions, aren't we? Yeah. I gotta I gotta like switch mental gears. I was thinking about like I'll say the one I'm hoping for is Phoenix, the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, I love that, watching that. That would be nice, but I don't think it's going to happen. It's so Hon- not going to happen. Honestly, <laughs> the teams that are doing fine right now, I think most of them were the ones we expected to. I think Dallas is off to a really hot start. I think they'll fall back a little bit, but I don't think that they're going to, you know, bottom out and not make the playoffs. Um, Montreal, we just talked about where they're, I mean, they're going to come down to earth eventually, but I think that they're still going to be within that mix. So I don't think that there's a whole lot of teams that I'm like, oh my God, they're off to the start, but they're not going to make it. Yeah, it's it's a little strange because I don't think any team is really overachieving. I think the Predators will drop off a little bit. Um... Just because Pekka is posting some of his crazy numbers, and those will they decline through the season uh, as it wears on. So I think I think the Predators will will drop off a little bit. But any, as far as anyone overachieving right now, you know the only thing that's even remotely surprising is how well like the Sharks leading the Pacific. But we knew the Pacific was going to be really bad. But they also started out on that hot streak, and they're falling back. Yeah. A little bit so now. I, I you know I don't see them staying there, and it's it's weird. You look at the conference standings, and it's just like everything central and then there's like hey we're the sharks hey guys <laughs> and then it's just crap i'd say a team that i think might fall back a little bit would be the rangers because they started off really well but they every game that they were winning they were getting out shot and you know playing that calgary model and they're at the pretty close to the bottom fifth of the league when it comes to score adjusted shots uh shot attempts um i think you'll see them 
kind of even out a little bit and Islanders, Capitals, Penguins are going to start to get above them. One thing I didn't see them doing is that they've messed a little bit with their, they've tinkered with their lines now where Derek Stepan is now playing the one center role. Derek Broussard is now playing the number two and Kevin Hayes is now their third line center. So they've made some adjustments there. I'm not overly crazy about uh, switching Broussard and Stepan for them because I thought Stepan was the, was the guy on his line and then he boomed up with Nash, and Rick Nash just demands the puck. Yeah, and Broussard had a really good year last year also, kind of almost like almost too good, I think. But I unfortunately haven't watched a whole lot of Rangers games yet this year. So I've only seen what I've seen in highlights. Um, I watched their game against Columbus where they came back after that. And again, that was one of those games where they were losing that game, and then they scored three goals in uh, less than a minute and a half and won. That's not going to happen every night. Fair on that. Um, fun question here. What is your, out of all the, um, this number two, out of all the winter classics and all of the stadium series games and, and all of those, we, you know, they teams will typically wear like some, you know, retro jersey. What is your favorite, like, fake retro jersey that they've rolled out for these games? Like, I, I like just, just for the outdoor? Yeah, just for the outdoor games. I mean, I'm obviously highly biased. Uh, That's a good-looking jersey, man. I have to, I, and it's a fantastic. <laughs> it's a fantastic jersey, but I love the 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 black and orange Flyers throwback. Uh, the faux-back or the actual throwback? Is that the one that they changed to their alternate the one jersey? That's now? their current alternate yeah. jersey. I think that looks so sharp. It was the Flyers have always struggled through the '90s to figure out how to balance the orange and the black thing, and they went full black for a while, and, and it looked awful. And it looked really, it looked very '90s, very dated, very quickly. Um, and doesn't help. Doesn't help that teams wearing black get penalized more often than teams wearing other colors. Doesn't help at all. Uh, so when they went back to orange, they're like, okay, how can we really work with black? We really love black, and they found a way to make it work very attractively on those winter classic since become third jerseys. And I, I really love them. It's the first Flyers jersey I've wanted to buy um, in a while. I'm not going to pick this, but I will say I'm also really biased because I loved. Washington's jerseys from last year. Fantastic. I did not like them when they first rolled them out. Like when I uh, saw the promo uh, shots for the first time, I was like, what are they going to be wearing? But when you saw them on the ice with the sky, it wouldn't mix with the Blackhawks jerseys and the shining light on the ice and those maroon helmets, they just looked gorgeous. Uh, I think I might have to go with the Detroit jersey from the Winter Classic they were in the first time with the Cougars logo that they had Ooh, with the with the English D on it. I thought it looked really good. I'm going to go with the Sharks. They're uh, the Stadium Series jersey. Oh, the had. white. We, uh, I love the Stadium Series jersey. Especially the Kings one with the black and the white that went all the way yeah. down. Oh, man. That was so... I. The thing I loved about what those teams did is they were like, you know what? Forget all the tradition. Forget all the crap. Let's do something that looks like we're playing rollerball. And they did it, and they owned it. It was fantastic. You had Kiss playing. You had a volleyball court out there. <laughs> loved it. Oh, well, Kiss I, played during the... Oh, that uh, was a, yeah, that was yeah, the Los the, Angeles. That was the LA one. Yeah. I'm thinking of the other one. No, they had... A, the music was crap during the San Jose one. It was John Fogarty and someone else. I, assume, I always assume the music going to be crap. It just sort of it's is. It's the NHL. I'm still, I'm still annoyed that when they did the, uh, what do they call the Canadian version? A Heritage Classic. The Heritage Classic. Um, when they revived the Heritage Classic, it was Calgary. It was in Vancouver at BC Place. So it was Calgary and, Van- and Vancouver. And they had they had one of my favorite bands, Metric, play the intermission, which is, they're hugely popular in Canada, but 
Oh, I was just, I just heard him like, they get metric? And what did we have in the United States? Like, some crap. Dude, like, I probably, like, dropped yeah, Lee Greenwood again. at the Washington <laughs> Chicago one. Yeah, I muted it. It was, uh, but I know I had to sit through, uh, sit through Fallout Boy during the, uh, I was walking around the during the All Star like, game. I really don't care about this. I'm surprised no one. You, you, now that they're giving out like the Budweiser Goal Lights, they need some. They need some co-brandings when you have Mup Lights. Well, it does play certain good, certain teams' goal songs. Like it plays the St. Louis Blues goal song, plays the Kings, the Blackhawks, and a couple other ones. Really, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, I know that now. Dan doesn't share. I'm so sorry for your uh, ear poison of Chelsea Dagger. No, no, I can set it to where it doesn't. It doesn't uh, play their song. Oh, thank God! Yeah, you can see, you can see what you can set what uh, what songs you want it to play on the app, and then you sync it, and then whenever that team scores, you can set a delay of like two or three seconds. Can you set your own songs? I wish we could. Speaking of goal songs, I know this is off topic, Let's but hear. I am so mad that Washington got rid of Iron Maiden as their what? goal song. Yeah, they're doing so. Darkest Hour is from DC, and they did some custom oh. rock the red when the sirens going off, and it's not fun. The only time hockey songs are good is when they were not written for the hockey team hired by the like the team like hey could you write us a thing like the Ministry One Chicago is not very good, um, but the good ones are just ones like independent bands have done just because they love the team or love the sport. Those mm-hmm. tend to be the good hockey songs. It could just be instrumental and I'd be I'd be happy with it. Anything yeah, by the Hexdolls, the hockey team something. is. Thumbs up, bunch of bunch of really good Vancouver kids who are who, who are Flyers fans. What um, about bunch of great advantage? guys. Uh, no, they're pretty solid. Yeah. They're pretty solid. But they're, I mean, they're like like almost like a hockey themed gimmick band. Yeah, because all their songs are hockey. Actually, uh, Three Inches of Blood also has a hockey song too. They're also from British Columbia and Vancouver, and they're huge Canucks fans. The, yeah, the only it's an okay song. The only Vancouver band based band that I know they're Flyer they're Flyers first. That's, Love it. That's interesting. Hey, there's a reason <laughs> called the Hex Dolls. Huh? I think it's going to be a gimmick. Number three, Craig Smith on the penalty kill. We've covered success. Hooray! What other out-of-character deployment would you like to see? Uh, Gostad in the press box. Hutton 1C. <laughs> <laughs> Given how good Neil and Forsberg are playing, that may Hutton actually Hutton with the suck. C. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> this show's just been banned by Carter Hutton on Twitter. <laughs> I see what you did there. A lot of worse um, things that could happen there. But no, sir, who would you like as far as maybe someone getting a shot on a different unit or... I'd like to see Hudson playing with uh, Smith and Wilson just for a game, just to see if that maybe jumpstarts him a little bit. I'm, I, again, haven't been too impressed with him. I don't think he's been a detriment to the team, but he's been more invisible, which also isn't very good. No, go. I was, I was maybe, for you. Yeah, I realized you were like breathing in. I'm like, oh crap! I'm gonna cut in again. Like I cut in on Dan all the time. He's gonna murder me in my sleep one day. I don't know how he's gonna get inside, but he's gonna find a way to get inside. Um, what was the question? Okay, no, I was actually in a similar way where you were going, except I have this desire to see Yarncroke with Smith and Wilson and just have a roving band of rotating mad centers. Like they don't know what's going on. They're just they're just spinning around. They in, did like, that a last year and it worked. Centers. I just I like when you take a bunch of the young kids and you just throw them together and say, Do, go achieve things and and let them go wild. Offer not valid in Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have we there's a coach in Nashville, so that helps. Gotcha. There there's currently one. Todd Todd doesn't suck. No, he doesn't. But hey, it's Edmonton. Lavi's my is my friend. 
Now, they did this last year with Yarncroke, Smith, and Wilson. Uh, the numbers actually looked really good. How long did they play together for? For about eight or ten games, I believe. Bring it back. I'm, I'm for Ribeiro, it. Th- third line Ribeiro. Third line Ribeiro. Put him next to put Ribeiro next to Fiala and just see you know what we're only going to deploy this against like <laughs> you the want other team's fourth line. <laughs> uh, speaking of Fiala, like the news that keeps coming out of Milwaukee that he's just not meshing. Well, actually, uh, he had a pretty good game last night after getting his bell rung. Uh, yeah, he left the game. I thought for a little bit. Yeah, he came back and apparently he did pretty well. Maybe he he needed to like get maybe a hit like Deacon Custom or something. Maybe jarred something loose. That's always fun to say. Number four. Other than your personal biases, what team are you watching this year just for the sheer entertainment factor? Mm. Let me think. I have to think about that for so a minute. So no flyers and no caps. Right. Um, I, no kings, no bolts. I've been wow, t- there's a big list of yeah. Oh, for you. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, I've been tuning into a lot of Coyotes games recently because they've been like uh, Max Domi and Anthony Duclair have just been like so much fun to watch. The, the Islanders are always my cheat team. Um, I just love watching them play. It's so much fun. It's 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 much the same this year as it was last year. Uh, so it feels kind of like a cop out answer, but it's just it's fun to watch those guys play hockey right now. They just care so much, and they're all meshing, and getting along, and it's nice to see it happen. And then I actually, I'm gonna get like booed off off the the program, but I actually would like to sit down and watch a couple more Stars games just to see how they're... Because I haven't really had a whole lot of time to sit down and um, dissect what they're doing. I saw them play uh, Phoenix, actually, uh, when they lost to them early in the season. Um, But yeah, I'd like to see how they're doing because it looks like they're just scoring like nobody's business. Some of that will happen just just given the fours they've brought in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I get that. Mm -hmm. Um, Florida's a team I love watching. Oh, that's such a good answer. I love um, watching Florida. I had Arizona too, but Florida, we haven't said Florida yet. I'm, that's such a good answer. Mm-hmm. There's so many fun players down there. I mean, they they are slowly, slowly working themselves up to be just a great team. Mm-hmm. And Yager and Luongo and just some really talented guys. Guys you're pulling for. Guys we all, you know, kind of pull for. No. Um, number five, what team – I'm going to come back to Florida here in a second. But what team um, – do you believe will be the first team to start selling off players this year? Oh man! Because right now I'm looking at uh, looking at Columbus, and if they kind of keep on this trend, which I don't think, I mean, they're going to start. Yeah, I'm some on. Games. I'm on the fence about Columbus because I feel like the the management thinks that they can do better, and they're going to hold on to things for probably longer than they should. Um, my just off the top of my head, my the first one would be Carolina. Just because they've got Stahl, they've got Ward there. They know that they're still in a rebuild that's going to take maybe a couple more years. And they could get some good pieces for them because those just seem like players that some GM is going to overpay for. I want to see a Cam Ward trade just to mock the return because it's going to be gross. It's either going to be ridiculously high or like just awful, like a third-round pick and like a prospect. Cam Ward hasn't been good since he won a Stanley Cup. I mean... I'm exaggerating, but he's not the goaltender he was always sold as. Um, my my uh, friends who are Hurricanes fans tend to be pretty harsh on the, at least the ones who are not hockey people are, are pretty critical of his play regularly. Uh, but I was actually going to say Carolina as well. It just makes the most sense. A lot of the teams that are 
in selling positions right now are either actively building up pieces, so they're not going to be interested in selling, or n- really know where they are. Uh, Carolina is sort of an oddball because they've got pieces they can move for great returns to really start restocking the team. So it makes it just makes the most sense to mm-hmm. me as well. I'm gonna stick with Columbus on this for one reason. Well, actually, two reasons. Uh, number one, they depleted their own farm system to bring in Brandon Sod. They traded off uh, guys like Marco Dano that they were counting on. Also, there's a lot of money tied up into players that are pretty good. Not great, but pretty good, like Brandon Dubinsky. Pretty Scott good. Hartnell. Scott Hartnell. He's good. He's not pretty good anymore. He's just good. But that defense is terrible. Yeah. And in order to be able to address that and still be able to afford extensions for Ryan Johansson, assuming he doesn't want to just burn down the company like uh, the guy from Office Space, you know, you're going to have to make room for him. So I think Carolina is probably like the safe answer, but I wouldn't be surprised if Columbus uh, maybe ships off to Biscay at some point this year. And uh, that's something I wouldn't be afraid. I mean, I uh, ran a report on him earlier this week for the last four years. He's actually a better. I think he'd be a better number one center candidate than Eric Stahl. I, if we're talking about Dubinsky, if we did, if if we had a choice that we could have. Stahl or Dubinsky come to Nashville and play for the Predators? Dubinsky, every single time. He's actually not on, like, the action. He's not heading towards the valley of his career, like, incredibly rapidly. There's only two years difference between the two guys. But Stahl is, like, he's been been on decline for years. Dubinsky is still being able, is is still consistent. Uh, Those two years, I think, make a lot of difference in these guys' cases. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Dubinsky being available, one that's a big move, you can get assets back, you move a contract, it makes a lot of sense. The, uh, yeah. the flip side of that, though, is when John Tortorella came in and in his press conference, you know, the uh, discontent with him and Dubinsky is very well documented. But he did say, like, you know, I met with him, like, first thing away, said that I need him to be, you know, my guy in the locker room. I need him to be, you know, so, so you can take that with a grain of salt. But if he's starting to be, you know, the, the one guy that Tortorella is depending on, who knows how hard that's going to be to prime away from there. That's true, but I think coaches are easier to replace than franchise. Oh, players. I agree, especially. So, if if it comes down to this this particular coach, John Tortorella, is going to make it hard as hell for me to retain Ryan Johansson. Like, why would I bother keeping him? I agree, and that's one of the reasons why we thought it was stupid that they brought Tortorella in the first place. The, the roster made sense, but I don't think the the position the Blue Jackets are in doesn't make sense. I mean, it makes more sense than Vancouver. I, I mean, he, it was one of those things that you regularly see that Tortorella was probably the best coach on the market, but he probably wasn't the right coach for Columbus in the situation. And, I mean, that's a tough place. Only, GMs at this point seem pretty obsessed with only hiring guys who, who have been NHL coaches. It's getting harder and harder to break into that space, so you just cycle through the same group of guys. I mean, I don't remember—you you guys are much better with the, with history than I am. But, I mean, I know, like, uh, Haxtell was the first guy to make the jump from college to the NHL in something like 30 or 40 years. Mm-hmm. And that was just, I mean, th- that used to happen, and now it doesn't. And it happened for the Flyers. Yeah, most of the guys that are brought in that are head coach, like new head coaches, have had time in, you know, juniors or in the American Hockey League. Like, John Cooper's a good example where he, um, you know, coached their AHL team for years before he came up and took the job there. Um, Blashell is the same way when in Detroit. Um, then you've got Adam Oates, but we're not going to talk about that. 
please, nope. please don't make no, me talk about we, it. We won't. We won't talk about it. Uh, last question I have, and this is a uh, this is a fun question. This is a bonus question for the week. Um, I mentioned Yarmir Yager. Yarmir Yager right now has more has just as many goals as the entire Anaheim Ducks roster. He's forty three. Where does Yarmir Yager rank on your personal list of greatest athletes you've ever seen? Well, I, I think um, I actually was thinking about this the other day, so it's it's a really good question. Uh, and I was thinking Yager currently, and, and there's maybe and Ovechkin may be able to take this title at some point. Yager might be the best European NHL player of all time in terms of longevity, in terms of point production, in terms of uh, influence on the league and his impact in, on the players and going over the KHL and spearheading that and then coming back and continuing to be dominant. Where we've seen guys try to go back and forth between the leagues and just struggle. I mean, he just goes and, and is successful and is a leader and trains the young players and helps them improve. Everything he does is just, he does a lot of great things outside of hockey, all while being dominant as one of the oldest players. I think he's the guy to be the oldest guy out there right now. Yeah, I think Shane Doan's forty, and, but I don't think yeah. anyone's forty three. And you know, he's probably got. He, I mean, he's going to play as long as, as someone will sign him to a one year contract, and then he'll go over to the his the Czech team that he owns and probably play for them a little bit. Yeah, I, 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 I he's just he, he's going to stick around. He's going to keep inching up the points and getting closer to people in the ranking. But I think he's he is one of, if not the best European NHL of all time. Yeah, and I have a. It's hard for me to you know say that about Yager because I remember and suddenly him back. A Capitals jersey just appeared on John Garcia yeah, right here yeah, in the yeah no and like but setting all that aside because I was so young when that was going on so it's not like I have this like deep-seated hatred for Yarmir Yager and what he did um but it's just like when I was seeing him in the prime I didn't wasn't really um consuming hockey like I am now um but I've got nothing but respect for the yeah. dude. I there was a couple of rumors about the '68 car coming back to uh, DC last year, and I was all aboard it. I would have loved to see that. Yeah, I, and I feel I feel a little bit bad because I was the guy on the show for a couple of years who was like, "No, we don't want Yager in Nashville. This is the year he 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 just drops <laughs> it all." And I have just been shown to be wrong time after time on that. Yeah, and well, and you got to see him in Philly like a lot, and he was pretty solid there. Though that was probably of of all the teams he's played for. That was maybe his one of his weakest outings. Uh, though I did want to, I, I had to throw in a, a quick note. Um, I was really thinking about forwards when I was talking about ranking because I, if if I say that and I say best European hockey player, I am ignoring Nicholas Lidstrom, and that, that is that is a gross oversight. So mm-hmm. I can say best forward, whereas Nick, Nicholas Lidstrom is probably the best skater. Period. Here's a list of Yarmir Yager as of right now: most career game-winning goals in the league most career overtime goals most career assists by a right wing most single season points by a right wing most single season assists by a right wing and, I mean, and think of where this would be if he didn't spend three years in Europe for a while and just constantly played I mean he'd be blowing records off like even more than he already is oh yeah so the question was again like what where does he rank as far as the best athletes you've ever seen like ever seen yeah like oh. he, that you have seen I don't know, because I saw Jordan a couple of times. That was pretty yeah, incredible. Michael Jordan's going to be, like, number one on just about everybody's <laughs> list. I mean, but... Well, I'm just like, like okay, for this ring, I'm like, okay, well, you've got, like, Lionel Messi and Ronaldo, and, and then you have, like, Mario Lemieux. I'm like, that. it's a weird mashup. I, I mean, he's... 
I don't know how to even rank that. I'd have to get a P, I have to get an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, and, and it's, a point system to it, even do this. It's also really hard to. Oh, we just Dan's got a <laughs> yeah. notebook and a pen. It's scary. It's also really hard to rank that too when you think about like the sports that you were growing up seeing or that you saw on a consistent basis. Whereas you know you see the other people for like you know one or two games. Like every game that I've seen, uh, Sidney Crosby in. Like yeah, I've seen him score a couple of goals, but has he stood out as like the best player on the ice or the best player in the world when I've seen him? No, not really. Does that mean that he's not the best player in the world? No, absolutely not. Your yeah, hockey's probably the toughest with that. Because right, when Michael Jordan's playing, you know that you know that Michael Jordan was the best player on the on the on the court that day. When I mean, you can throw out pitchers, you can throw out you know a lot of football players, but hockey's one of those sports that it's kind of it's really tough to measure that. Like I can't remember many games where Nicholas Lidstrom, I believe, was the absolute. He just did something amazing, and he was the absolute best player on the ice that night. But I knew that he was probably the most talented guy on the team at, at that time. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot to be said for guys like Lidstrom who, it's not that they stand out, but they do the right thing all the time every night. You don't notice mistakes. I mean, any game that you play when you get to a high level, and this could be, uh, it can be sports, it can be uh, even like something like poker or or a video game, like an esports arena. Uh, it's, you know, you see these people and you, and you, you look at them like, these guys don't make mistakes. And the thing is, they do make mistakes. They're just so, so high above you that you can't see them. Uh, because when they do, they've already figured out a way to correct it. They've already said, "Okay, I, I you know, I was my positioning was bad on this play. I need to correct." And they do it right away, and they don't think about it. And that's what makes them really elite. Is they make those those judgments, those mental adjustments, all the time. And what's amazing about Lidstrom too is I remember several years ago when he retired, there were even like NHL players were talking about it. You know, they they have to interview everyone, and they said that to an extent but they said that I don't remember when Lidstrom made a mistake like these are you know professional athletes who know those mistakes mm -hmm. that are saying like he was essentially perfect every single night night in and night out which I mean you can't really argue with so it's really hard to, to gauge um defensemen to forwards in the NHL but if um if you were going to rank the not your the best European players ever, and I think Ovechkin's in that category now, I think he's there. Yeah, no one scored goals like Ovechkin can score goals, and on, that's why I said it's hard to get aside that for me. I mean, the four guys that we're going to come to then is probably Ovechkin, Yager, Lidstrom, and Timo Solani. That's a strong we'll list. Probably put Sergei Fedorov on there Sergei as well. Fedorov, maybe your. Uh, uh, Jerry Curry, maybe. Um, depending on how you, I mean, depending on how deep we go, because if we Fatisov, you know. if we're doing like a top ten, you might like towards the bottom of that you might have like a guy like Peter Forsberg sort of cracking as far as as his style of play at the bottom end of that because he's not at this he's not if like he this top healthier. tier. If he was healthier, yeah. yeah. So he's, uh, you know, I have I I love some some Peter Forsberg. Oh, everyone so. does. You know, I just I, I want him to crack that that lower half. He's definitely not in in with the kind of that pantheon at the top. Mm. He's like an Hephaestus to, to the Zeus's and 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 the, those sort. Who would be Yager Vulcan? Well, Hephaestus is Vulcan. Okay, I'm so, so yeah, you're you're going with Roman. I'm going with, with Hephaestus Greek. is Greek is Hephaestus is the Greek name. Hephaestus is Greek. You're a, a Vulcan was the Roman one. Okay, yeah. Um, I can't. I have trouble. I I still can't connect the planets to the Greek god names. I just it, I don't have that. Jupiter, I think is is that, is that, that, that is Zeus? That, is that Zeus? Yeah, Mars is Aries. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, those are the easy ones. Venus, we know Aphrodite, but gotcha. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, that was a fun one. 
know, I'll enjoy let's, when we let's, can. Yeah, let's I'm, end on comparisons of, I, of hockey players to Greek gods. I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's strong. I think we should just cut our losses and run for the oh, hills. Now. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've got a, I love Yarmir Yager. I, I like what he means to the game. I like what he's done for the game overseas. Mm-hmm. And just the story of him, like, growing up, because you know how we got – he still has this ridiculous lower body strength. And that's because when he was growing up in the Czech Republic, they didn't let them train with weights. So in his bedroom, he would do thousands of squats a day, and to the point where his legs just became just ridiculously strong. Well, imagine the stamina you'll get from from doing that as well for when you're skating. So, I just, foreshadowing the whole story of Yager is I don't know I still love the guy. All right, um, so annual West Coast road trip. Usually that means the regression back to 500, you know, in some years. But <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a brutal road trip at that. It's not just a Western Coast West Coast swing. It's it's a lot of games. When will some one of the analy- analyst uh, people go through and uh, kind of a hard way to quantify this, but I have a theory that the New York teams and the LA teams have a bit of a of a higher record because they're playing more teams on back to backs. Is there any way that we can research any way that someone out there has done any research on that? Um, Not that I've seen. I don't think it'd be well. It wouldn't be hard. It would be time consuming. Because you'd have to go through and look at all the back-to-backs that games are playing and match them up against each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the data is there. Um, just a matter of like you know what the question you're asking is and, and, and how easy to get to it. Yeah, because I mean, we've seen where people have analyzed the just all teams in general playing like you know a tired team or a rested team or anything like that, and obviously the team that is playing. Uh, without playing the night before, coming in from and playing against a team that has played the night before, the rested team has an advantage there. So we've seen that, but as far as like specific to a, a location, I, I know as in like the Ducks and the Kings and the New York teams play more teams on the second half of back to back than yeah. other teams. Let's say like Nashville, Carolina, even the Florida teams. Mm-hmm. I think they play more. Yeah, because they teams. have to. They have to go mm-hmm. out and they have to do. The, they do the trips in sequence. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. and and I I think um, another big variable that makes it tough to. to to get to that because I think I think you can but there's a lot of variables you also have to take into account what goaltenders each team played that night if um, they were both on a back-to-back or only one was on a back-to-back and did they play their backup on the first night of the second night there's a lot of little variables that can go in to to influence back-to-backs but uh, there's no doubt that playing a lot of teams on back-to-backs and playing fewer yourself is advantageous to your season Mm -hmm. I mean I think that's something that is generally recognized but I don't think anyone's got as granular as as you're thinking yeah Dan so, Wednesday night against San Jose, hence the reason why we're recording on Sunday. Uh, weekend going against the two Los Angeles teams. We'll probably record a show between the the Ducks game and um, they, who, Minnesota. Did, Minnesota game. Probably record between them. So, California, three games. What's our target? What's the target here? Uh, I'm going to go for a very con- – are we looking for our game predictions? Yeah, game predictions. I'm going to go for an incredibly conservative 1-1-1. One, one, and one. That's what I went last time. Um, I've got so many different things flying around in my head right now. I think that they can go two and one, considering San Jose is on a little bit on a, of a downswing right now, and you never know what Anaheim's going to do. Um, I've been a little bit pessimistic the last couple of weeks, so I'm going to go two and one this this time, thinking that they can they can pull it out, and they'll probably lose one of those back to backs. But I think that they'll pick up a win in San Jose and then pick up a win either against Los Angeles or Anaheim. Now, given how Anaheim's essentially the dumpster fire that everyone's just watching burn right now, I like their chances in that one. Uh, I'm going to go 1-1-1, one, one, and one, 
just because I think they're gonna. I mean, the overtime. I'm just gonna. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, it's they're gonna. It's gonna be a fatiguing, mm-hmm. difficult trip. They're mm-hmm. gonna have um, some time off in between where they're gonna be traveling. So you gotta wonder how they're gonna be rested, resting wise, leg wise. Well, they're they're. I don't know what day that they're actually flying out, whether they're flying out on Tuesday. Uh, but t- I think it's like with the Players Association, they have to fly out just on Tuesday. Right. Um, so, and that's that's what I figured, but they're, they're going to have a couple days of rest between the Pittsburgh game from yesterday and the San Jose game, and a little bit of time to get acclimated there um, in San Jose to the time change and everything like that. So it's not like, you know, they're playing a game on Tuesday and then going out there and playing on Thursday or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's... There's definitely some pluses and minuses that are interesting. I mean, they've got obviously a very light week ahead of them uh, until they hit the weekend. So, I mean, that could really help them out quite a bit. It'd be nice to see. I always like, I, I love a sweep of California. It's one of my favorite things that can happen. There are a few things in the, in the NHL better than sweeping California. Um, maybe winning a Stanley Cup would be nice. Yeah. But reports say that. All right. Anything else before we close the book on this one? No, it's uh, fun doing a bunch of shows in a week. Yeah, I'm all set. That was good. Hopefully next time I can join you guys on the live show. And uh, and and because it's been a busy week, special thanks to Dan. He has kept us going through two shows and a, a separate. Uh, of course, he mentioned in the beginning uh, we were on, we did some pregame stuff, and and he ran that as well. So it's a lot of extra work on top of a job. So thanks, well, Dan. Yeah, thanks, guys. A lot of fun. All right, guys. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at 3D Link. You can follow John on Twitter at jgarcia36. You can follow myself at Dan D Bradley. You can follow the show at On the Forecheck. This has been the Predcast, brought to you by Lion's Own Internet Marketing Solutions and OnTheForeCheck.com. Says, I believe our hope is dead no longer.